don't know about you, but sometimes I, uh, I sell God short. Uh, sometimes I sell God short in that I, I don't trust him. Or I, I, I doubt him. Uh, sometimes I sell God short because I doubt his two things about him. I'll, I'll doubt two things. Uh, first, I will either doubt his love or I will doubt his power. I will either doubt God's love or I will doubt God's power. Sometimes I doubt both. And you may be thinking, Sean, you are the worst preacher ever. What kind of a preacher gets up on stage and tells his congregation that he has doubts? This guy. It's true. Sometimes I doubt God's love. I know that he loves me, but sometimes I don't always believe it. Or I doubt God's power. I know that he's mighty and strong and that he can, you know, he spoke the universe into being and that God is huge. But sometimes I doubt that power in my life. And you know how I know that I doubt God's love and power? Because I fail to pray. I'll be facing some situation or some circumstance and I won't pray about it. Instead, I'll try and fix it myself. I'm like a little two-year-old. I'll do it myself. How many of you remember those days? i do it myself. And so I'll be facing a financial difficulty, a financial circumstance, trying to make ends meet, trying to, and what will I do? I'll finagle the numbers, or I'll, 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 pay, the, I'll pay two water bills next month. I won't, can't pay it this month. How many of you ever do that? No, 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 we don't do that, no. If I pay this one late, and payday's going to fall here, and this, that, and the other thing, and and so I try and finagle the numbers to try and work it out in my own strength, in my own knowledge, in my own power. And it doesn't go very well. When all I should do is just turn to God and say, God, you know what I need. I need you to provide. I don't know how you're going to provide. I trust that you will. But I don't do that. Because I doubt either God's love, that he loves me enough to provide for my needs, that he will provide. Or I doubt his power, his ability to provide for my needs. That like, it's like God's sitting on a cloud somewhere and he's got more important stuff to worry about than Sean. You ever feel that way? You ever look at the situation and go, oh, you know, I, I can't, why would God want to even bother with me? There's more important stuff for him to worry about. As though God can't handle peace in the Middle East and your situation as well. After all, he's only God. Or we'll have a situation in our lives uh, we'll have a situation like a, uh, not just a financial situation, we'll have like a relationship situation. And instead of talking to God about our spouse or about our children or about our parents or about some situation in a relationship, instead of talking to God about it, we talk to everyone else. You won't believe what she did. You won't believe what he said. You won't believe what my kids are doing. You won't believe. And we'll talk to everybody else but we won't talk to God. My kids are driving me nuts. And you say, I can't tell that to God. God already knows that your kids are driving you nuts. Just tell him. Or we'll, we'll, or we'll do this. We'll say, Lord, please change my spouse. <laughs> Lord, please change my children. Lord, please change my parents. Any teenagers ever pray, please change my parents? You don't have to raise your hand. Any adults to pray, please change my parents? Maybe. 
Instead of saying, Lord, change me, Lord, change me, we want him to change everyone around us. And if everyone around you has a problem with you, well, we won't make any extrapolations about that. <laughs> Maybe you're the one with the problem. So we'll say, Lord, change everyone around me, but we wouldn't say, change me. This morning, we're going to talk about uh, continuing our series, Your God is Two. And we're talking about uh, misconceptions, misperceptions, misunderstandings that people have about God. And a couple weeks ago, we talked about how your God is too angry. And people have this view of God that he's really angry with them all the time. And I showed you the car, my favorite Far Side cartoon with God at his computer ready to push the smite button. It's like, I messed up again. God's going to smite me because God is so angry with me. We have this misunderstanding that God is angry with us. When the Bible tells us uh, in Psalm 103 that God is slow to anger, he is gracious and compassionate, and he is abounding in love. He is slow to anger. He does not treat us as our sins deserve. So we feel like God is angry with us all the time. We saw that a couple weeks ago that God is not angry with us all the time. Last week, we talked about how your God is too safe. We talked about a passage uh, where uh, Paul says that, our, uh, we talked about a passage in Hebrews where it says that God is a consuming fire. And when you think about a fire, you think of anything but safe. And that God wants to burn off all of the impurities and all of the wickedness and all of the sinfulness in our lives. He wants to burn it all away to leave only pure and holiness and righteousness behind talk about that last week next week we're going to talk about how your god is too boring if you feel like if all right parents are there any two worse words to hear from your children than i'm bored what do you mean you're bored i have spent thousands of dollars on legos how can you possibly be bored? You have an Xbox. You know what I had? I had Mario Brothers. And that wasn't until I was a teenager. You've had an Xbox since you were seven. How can you possibly? You have a tablet. We didn't even have tablets in my day. How can you be bored? Well, sometimes I think we feel like God is boring. So next week we're going to talk about your God is too boring. Because I believe that there's an adventure of faith that he wants to take you on. And we're going to talk about that next week. After that, starting on Sunday, September 11th, we're going to begin a new series through the book of James called Where the Rubber Meets the Road. And it's all about the intersection of faith and life. And then after that, we're going to uh, have Thanksgiving and Christmas and, and the place will be decked out. We'll do all that kind of fun stuff. And then after that, uh, the beginning of the year, we're going to start a new series called Your Story, His Glory and how God can take the situations and circumstances in your life and he can turn them around for good and how he can use whatever you're going through for his glory. We'll look at different stories from the scripture about how God did that in people's lives and how he can do it in yours too. So that's kind of where we're going over the next few months. Uh, I hope you'll invite a friend or two to join us along the way. But today we're going to talk about how your God is too small. And sometimes I think we think that God is small. And in reality... God is hardly small. He is not small at all. Sam, I am. If you got your Bible, turn to Ephesians chapter four, uh, chapter 3. 
We're in Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 through 21. If you didn't bring a Bible, you can grab one out of the chair in front of you. That's what they're there for. It's on page 828, towards the middle of the New Testament. It's on page 828 of the Bible in the chair in front of you. Uh, and we're looking at Ephesians 3, 14 through 19 first, and then we'll look at verses 20 and 21. And this is a prayer that Paul was praying for the Ephesians. The Ephesians were having a, a difficult time in their unity in their church. In their church family, uh, the Jews and Gentiles were coming together, uh, and, and this is the great mystery that, that Paul talks about uh, to the Jewish Christians, that God was bringing Gentiles into his family, grafting them into his family, people whom they had looked at for thousands and thousands of years as unclean people, and now God had made them clean. He had welcomed them into his family. This is the great mystery of Ephesians, the mystery of the body of Christ. How people from a various backgrounds and differences can all come together and worship the same God. And do so as kind of like a family. And so Paul says in verse 14, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that, all, that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge. That you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Like I said, Paul's writing to the Ephesians. The first half of Ephesians is, is a real, a really heavy on theology and, and, and doctrine. The second half of, the, of Ephesians is all about the practical application of that. And so this prayer comes right at the intersection of that theology and that practicality. And he prays that they would be filled with the knowledge and the fullness of God, that they would be filled with God's love. And the first thing I want to tell you today is so important is that God's love is not small. God's love is not small. In fact, it is huge. And, and in, in fact, it takes all of the power of the Holy Spirit within us to be able to comprehend how wide and how high and how long and how deep is the love of Christ. It takes the power of God within us to be able to even start to fathom, to be able to start to grasp just how huge God's love is. It takes the power of God. There's two times that the word power is used in this passage that I just read. The first is the word power, and it's the Greek word dunamis, from which we get our word dynamite. I want to tell you a little story. I think I've told some of you this before, but a few years ago, several years ago now, uh, we were, uh, it was the 4th of July. My family's big on the 4th of July. We love the 4th of July. And, and I'm not saying that my family did this. I'm just saying I heard this story or experienced a story about some people who did this. And uh, we, I mean, they uh, took a quarter stick of dynamite and borrowed, permanently borrowed, a garbage can, like a rubber-made garbage can, a good-sized one, and we took the quarter stick of they took the quarter stick of dynamite, and they put it under the garbage can, and lit it, and put the garbage can on it, and ran away. Somebody turned to somebody named Sean, and said, Sean, what do you think is going to happen? I said, I don't know, may shoot it straight up in the air, or something like that. Boom! The thing just obliterated into a million, I mean, into dust. It was so awesome, I mean, so... It's so awesome. It was like one of the coolest things I've ever seen in my life. I mean, it was loud, and it was just boom, and just this thing just everywhere, just completely obliterated. It was so cool. Vandalism is bad. Anyway, um, so this thing just totally blew up, and, and, and honestly, that's, 
That's what the, the power of the Holy Spirit within you is. The power of the Holy Spirit within you is like dynamite. That God wants to unleash the power of his love in your life and his love. That power is like dynamite within you. God doesn't want to come up alongside and say, I love you. No, God's saying, I love you. And I want to put my power in your life. Then this, it's going to take all this power. There's, there's two words for power, like I said. The other one is, is a, a, a word of power that means inner strength. And so not only does he want to unleash dynamite in your life, but he wants to fill you with inner strength to be able to comprehend the love of God, the love of Christ, to be able to understand the love of Christ. He wants to fill you with this inner strength and power so you may somehow begin to even grasp just how much God loves you. Paul says something similar in Romans chapter 8. This is what he says. He says, what then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, Who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. There is nothing, nothing in all of creation, nothing anywhere in heaven or earth or hell below, there is nothing that can separate you from the love of God that that is yours in Jesus Christ. Nothing can separate you from God's love. Nothing can get in the way of God's love. Nothing can get in the way of God loving you. You may feel like I have messed, I made a mess of my life. I have screwed up in so many ways. I have just completely uh, made a mess of my life and there's no way that God would ever want to love me. There's no way that God would ever care for me. And I'm here to tell you that there is nothing that you can do that will stop God from loving you. There is nothing that you have done that has ever made God think for one second, I don't love that person. I don't love him. I don't love him. Nothing can separate you from the love of God that is yours in Christ Jesus. And this is the power of God's love in your life that he wants to unleash like dynamite and he wants to give you strength the inner strength to be able to understand just how much you are loved because you are and yet we doubt that love don't we we doubt it all the time why why would he love me why would he care about me why would he answer my prayers why would he why would he give two flips about me the point the the fact is is that God does care about you and that God does love you And I know you've been through the ringer, and I know you've had hard times, and I know that you've had struggles, and I know that you are uh, struggling with your faith, and you're struggling with your doubts. But I'm here to tell you today, my friends, I'm here to tell you right now that the power of God's love is real, and he wants to unleash it in your life. He wants to unleash it in you. This love that goes beyond comprehension. This love that goes beyond understanding. This love that is indescribable. This is your love that God has for you. And you know how I know? Because Jesus died for you. See, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. And whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. That Jesus went to the cross. Not because the Jews sent him there, the Romans sent him there, but because he loves you. That's why he went to the cross. 
and he went to the cross and he suffered and he died for you and he died for me as a demonstration of God's incredible love for us. And if you will put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ by believing him, repenting from your sins, confessing your faith and getting baptized, if you will turn away from sin and turn to God, and God will wash away your sins and he will forgive you completely. He will make your life brand new and fill you with hope and joy and love and peace and the Holy Spirit will dwell within you and transform your life because the love of God is not small and neither is the power of God you see the love of God is not small and the power of God is not small look at verses 20 and 21 of Ephesians 3 now to him who is able, God is able to do immeasurable, how much more? Immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. That's that word, that dunamis word again. That is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. That, that power of God is not small. God's power is huge. God's power is amazing. And he is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine. Now, I can ask quite a bit, and I can imagine even more. The problem is that I don't ask. Maybe you don't either. Maybe you don't ask. Maybe you have God-sized dreams for your family or for your church or for your work life. You've got God-sized dreams, but you never ask for them. I heard a pastor once say that God can't answer the prayers that you don't pray. God won't answer the prayers that you don't pray. And yet we don't pray. And we expect God to do something, and we never tell him what's on our hearts. We don't communicate with him. And so I, I want to share with you a, a couple of passages of Scripture that kind of address this a little bit. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 8, Jesus, at the beginning of the uh, Lord's Prayer says, your father knows what you need before you ask him. He knows what you need before you ask him, so ask him. Ask him. In Philippians 4.19, Paul wrote, uh, my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. So ask him. His power is not small. He can provide all your needs. There's the problem. We confuse our needs with our what? Our wants. Oh, I want a Lamborghini, God. <laughs> I've wanted a Lamborghini since I was in third grade. Saw one not too long ago. It was coming around Colfax. I'm going to go over the tracks by the chemical plant. And I thought, oh, that is so bad for that Lamborghini. To go over those railroad tracks. And he was cooking too. And I'm like, no, please don't hurt my Lam your Lamborghini. <laughs> I want a Lamborghini. God says, you need a Hyundai. So I drive my Hyundai. I want a mansion. God says, you need a house. You need a roof over your head. You're fine. I want Calvin Klein clothes. And I go out and get the Calvin Klein clothes. But then I wonder why I struggle financially. Because I want and I don't consider what I need. My God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. 
but we have not because we ask not. And that's what James says in James chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. Check this out. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You're de- you desire but do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. And when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. You do not have because you do not ask. God will not answer the prayers that are not asked. Now, I'm not advocating some kind of name it, claim it kind of deal where you just say, okay, Lord, I want a Lamborghini and you owe it to me. God doesn't owe us a thing. But as a loving father, as a kind and good God, he is willing and able to provide all that we need. If we will trust him. And how do we demonstrate? How do we show that we trust him? We ask him. In Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 through 11, it says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Now, when Jesus says, ask, seek, knock, he says, it it means keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. Don't stop. Don't give up on prayer. And then he says, which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Are you asking or are you doubting? When we doubt, we do not ask. When we doubt, we do not pray. When we doubt God's love, we don't think he will. When we doubt God's power, we don't think that he can. And I'm here to tell you, God's love and his power are not small. And if you're looking at God, if you're thinking about God, if you're talking to God saying, okay, God, I, you know, I, you know, I know you've got to worry about the starving children in, in Asia, and I know you've got to worry about peace in the Middle East, and you know, there's this whole election thing that's got to be taking up all your time. If you're looking at God saying, you know, obviously you've got more important things on your mind than me, then you're not looking at the cross. Because the cross is demonstration. The cross is evidence of God's love and his grace and his power. Because he overcame the cross. He overcame the grave. And Jesus walked out of that grave alive forevermore. Don't ever doubt his love. Don't ever doubt his power. Because our God is not small. So how does this look? What does this look like on a daily basis? What does this look like tomorrow when you wake up? What does this look like on Thursday morning when you're struggling this week? And you will be struggling, and I will too. So when it comes to Thursday morning, what, are, what do we do? Well, this is what I want you to do. I want you to pray this week. I want you to pray for God to provide for your needs. And so if your need is financial, I want you to pray about that this week. I want you to I want you to pray that God will provide for your needs and trust him that he can and that he will. If your need is relationship, I want you to pray about that relationship that you're struggling with. Maybe it's a relationship you're looking to find. Maybe it's a relationship you're already in. Maybe it's a relationship that is breaking up. You need to pray about that relationship this week. And pray, don't pray that God will change the other person. Pray that God will change your heart. Pray that God will start with you and change you 
before you ask him to change the situation or change the other person. Or if you're, if you're concerned about our church, I want you to pray for our church this week. Pray that we would be uh, faithful in carrying out the, the mission God has for us of helping people follow Jesus. Pray for our leaders as they make tough choices and decisions. Pray for our families. Pray for the families of our church that God would keep them strong and safe and protected. Pray for your church this week. And when we pray, we're going to pray and ask God in faith and in trust. We're going to trust him to provide. We're going to trust him to heal. We're going to trust him to strengthen. We're going to trust him to get us through. We are going to pray and not doubt. We are going to pray and not fear. Because our God is huge. Our God is not small. Our God is strong and mighty and powerful and loving and kind and good. This is our God. And He loves you so very much. He loves me too. And my prayer for you this week is that God will strengthen your faith and do away with your doubts. And He will provide for your needs in a way that you can't help but just give Him glory and praise for what He's done. And that's what it's all about. Your God is not small. Your God is not small. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, I thank you that you are not a small, that you are not small. You are huge, and you are strong, and you are mighty, and you are powerful. That your love is not small. Instead, your, your love is higher than the heavens, and deeper than the seas, and wider than the oceans. God, I thank you that your power is not small. You want to unleash this dynamite within us, the Holy Spirit to overcome sin and struggles and temptations, to overcome fear, to overcome doubt. Help us in our time of need and help us to know that you are there and that you are good. So as we come to the end of this service today, I pray for my friends that you would give us the strength and the courage and the reminder to pray in all circumstances, in all situations, that we may remember we have not because we ask not. You are not our servant. We are yours. We are your servants. Help us to remember that, God, you are our Father and you care for us. You love us. You provide for us. May we trust you in the name of Jesus. Amen.